0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today is part number two on So Great Salvation, Our Power Over Sin. Not only does God give us power over sin at salvation, but daily through His Word, He gives us power so that we won't sin. This is what God, this is the whole process of sanctification.
1: Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible, and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: I began a lesson yesterday teaching out of my book, on Theology Simplified. I'm taking up the plan of redemption, and these different words that are talked about in my book on Theology Simplified tie in with what I'm teaching here, and that is the progression of salvation in our life. And uh, I'm saying that because really salvation in and of itself is not progressive, but the display of it before the world is progressive, and still another part of our salvation is yet to come, and that's a resurrection body. So we took this up yesterday talking about the areas that God has given to us. So let's talk about very quickly and cover some points. Four points we covered yesterday. Salvation, first of all, was accomplished when we believed. Inside of our heart, the moment I believed in Jesus, Romans 10.10, 10, when I believed unto righteousness, righteousness was complete on the inside of me. I will never be any more righteous in my spirit tomorrow, the next day, or 10 years from now than I was the moment I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I became the righteousness of God. Next of all though, salvation is progressive. And that means on the outside. On the inside of me, salvation is not progressive, but God wants it to come to the outside. And this is the daily process of sanctification. Philippians 2.12 tells us we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The word work out is in the Greek. It means what's on the inside works itself to the outside. What God wants is what's in me to come out where people can see it. And this is where I literally begin to let people know I am born again. And so by walking it before the world, they can see Jesus Christ in me and I become a little Jesus. That's what Christian means. It's a word for being a disciple, not just a convert. And so the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch because why? They displayed the life of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, salvation is also future. We will receive a resurrection body. Romans 13, 11 says that that salvation, which is the resurrection body, gets nearer every day from the time we believe. So today is one day closer to the coming of Jesus Christ and Bob and all Christians that have gone to be with the Lord are still here on earth will receive a resurrection body. And then we also took point number four was All these things, Jesus Christ in me, Jesus Christ being shown to the world, a resurrection body was complete as far as God was concerned, even before the foundation of the world. And so before the foundation of the world, God planned for me, uh, seeing that I would receive Jesus by his uh, foreknowledge, saw me accept Jesus, so he put a plan together, and inside my mother's womb, I received a calling. One day I believed in Jesus Christ, and I was then justified, and then after I'm justified, one day I'm gonna be glorified, I'll have a resurrection body. But all this is seen as past tense, done deal. In other words, before the foundation of the world, God predestined me, that's past tense. He called me, that's past tense. He justified me, past tense, and he also glorified me, past tense. And there's one of them yet to come but it's still past tense as far as God is concerned. I'm gonna receive a resurrection body. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. I'm going to have a resurrection body. When I got born again, God slapped a one-way ticket into my pocket for heaven and I'm on my way. So in every one of these cases, whether it's the new birth, whether it's progressive daily sanctification before the world, or one day receiving a resurrection body, God wants us to know, according to the book of Hebrews, where it says we have a better covenant established upon better promises. And he talks about the fact also that we have been given so great a salvation as compared to the Old Testament, our salvation is far greater. And what he's simply saying is, is that in this life down here, we walk with him and God has given us so much greater than anybody has had in the Old Testament. In every one of these cases, we are saved from sin we're saved from the power of sin in our daily life. You see when we weren't when we had, didn't have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we had no power against sin. It's like the world controlled us. When I became born again, God turned that control over to me and says you now have control because sin has no control or more power over you. Oh, I can let it have power over me, but I can choose not to sin. And so by the Holy Spirit living within me, the power of the new birth, I've been saved from sin. Also, not only have I been saved from the power of sin, I've been saved from the pleasure of sin. The Word doesn't say there is no pleasure in sin. I've been saved from the uh, power of sin for a season. It tells us there that the Word says there is no pleasure in sin, but only for a season. In other words, there is pleasure in sin but only lasts for a very short period of time and you got to do it again and again and again. But the world has no power against it. We have power against it and we can choose to walk with God. The power we have against sin is in two forms. Number one, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The power of the word, The power of us walking in the word is the power of us becoming sanctified unto the Lord in daily living. And that's the power of the word of God in us. These exceeding great and precious promises, second Peter chapter one, are given unto us that by these, these what? These exceeding great and precious promises. By these, we might be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world Through lust. In his prayer, Jesus prayed to God the Father before he went to the cross. He said, Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. The truth of God's word sanctifies us daily. So I not only have been set free from sin, forgiven from sin, I've been given power for sins that come after that. In my Christian life, coming at me, the temptation, I can say no to the temptation. This whole thing that people often say, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You allowed him to do it. You have the power to say no. And Jesus Christ, even though he came into this earth as a perfect human being, born outside the curse on mankind through the virgin birth, the point still comes back to this. He still had to say no to the temptations to sin because he was tempted in all points as we are, but yet without sin. He said no every single time. You can if he could. You have the same Holy Spirit. You have even a greater amount of the word of God that he did. We have a completed word of God. So the result of sin is no longer the pleasure it used to be. The end of it, Proverbs 5, 4 of getting into sin says, this is bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a two-edged sword. The love of the Lord has now been placed into our heart and we have to go through many hurdles to override that love. In other words, now that I'm born again, I can sin, but it's harder to sin than it used to be because now there's hurdles in my life. There's obstacles in my life and there's conviction in my life. When I decide to sin, there's first of all the check of the Holy Spirit within me. God simply tell me, don't do this, don't do this. I know because the word of God says so, but if I go ahead and do it, then there's conviction that comes. Conviction of the Holy Spirit, conviction of the word of God begins to come to me and God uses his word to convict me when I do wrong. All pointing toward one thing, just ask the Lord to forgive you. Just repent, just turn from your sin and go in a different direction. And if you confess it, Admit it to the Lord that you've sinned. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Here's what it says of the sinner in the word of God. The sinner is said to love vanity. Christians don't love vanity. We love the Lord, we love righteousness. And the more we walk with God, the more we love the Lord and the more we love righteousness. The sinner is said to love vanity in Psalm 4.2, to love violence in Psalm 11 verse five, to love evil in Psalm 52.3, to love lies in Proverbs 1.22, delight in their abominations, Isaiah 66.3. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I can still be born again, but I don't have a genuine love for the Father if I love the world. The two do not go together, and God simply tells us to hate the world. Now, it doesn't say hate the people of the world. It doesn't say to have a hateful attitude. In other words, I'm to be friendly with the world, but I'm not to make friends with the world. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 tells us that. To love sin is far worse than to commit it. I'm going to say that again. To love sin is far worse than to commit it. You say, well, I love it already, so maybe I should just go ahead and commit it. No, to love sin literally means you carry the guilt of it around. You carry it inside of you. As far as your heart is concerned, you've already committed that sin. That's why Jesus said that, you know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If you see something and you lust after it, he says it's better just to cut your eye out in that case rather than keep on walking in that condition. But we do have the ability to confess that sin, and Jesus Christ is there to forgive it again to love sin is far worse than to commit it the fear of the lord the reverence of god is to hate evil proverbs 8:13 the fear of the lord or the reverence of the lord is to depart from evil Proverbs 6 and verse 16. The spirit man on the inside of us is the place where the love of God abides. The love of the world is in our flesh, the fleshly person, but the spirit man is greater on the inside and the love of God is inside of us, inside of our spirit. The good that is in us fights the evil that's in our flesh And if we don't watch it and we allow it to happen, we can start to enjoy sin again. But again, we will have to go through hurdles. And then once we do commit the sin and enjoy it for a moment, it's only for a moment, conviction begins to set in. Paul points this out in Romans chapter seven, verse 21 through 23. He says there, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. He says, "I, I wanna live for Jesus. Evil is always present. Why? Because the flesh is there. The day you lose, the temptation to sin is the day you die because your flesh, where all this is contained on the inside of you. Paul's going to bring this out. This is where the nature of the flesh is, the nature of sin, which drives us and pushes us towards sin is in our body. But inside of me, where the new birth is, I can declare greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I find that a law, Romans 7, 21 through 23, I find then a law that when I would do good or I desire to do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Inside of me, I delight in the things of God, but I see another law in my members. The members are the members of your body. This is where the nature of the flesh is. That's why it's called the flesh is found in your body, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law which is in my members what this is saying is that what happens is that the flesh begins to war against the mind because wherever the mind goes that's what you are if you are thinking in line with your spirit on the inside you're spiritually minded if you're thinking in line with the members of your body the nature of the flesh then you are then you are carnally minded so we are saved again from the effects of sin, from the desire of sin, but we're also saved from the penalty of sin. Luke chapter seven, verse 47 and 50 tells us, wherefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. Then in verse 50 he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So here we have a woman that was totally set free. Her sins were forgiven and God turned her loose and literally she was saved from the penalty of sin. Whenever I got born again, I was saved from the penalty of all those sins I had committed. But you know what, now that I'm born again, if I do sin, I can simply take it to the Father and that one has no penalty against me. So what God was simply saying here in this verse of scripture was, she came to the Lord, she came with a repentant attitude and God forgave her. He'll do the same for you. First John 1, nine says, if we Christians confess our sins after you're born again, you will sin, but you know what? Bring it to the Father, if you confess it, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And then if there's any sins around that, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is just good stuff. Want to find out how to get the book I'm talking about? The announcer's about to come on and tell you. I'll see you right after halftime.
1: Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Understanding the end times, one of the most incredible and fascinating doctrines in the Word of God, will bring us comfort for the days in which we live. The Bible says we are to encourage and exhort one another with the knowledge of Jesus returning for His saints. In Understanding the End Times, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a thorough and exciting study to give you more revelation of these times in which we live. Topics include The Seven Dispensations, The Dispensation of the Mystery, The Rapture of the Church, The Judgment Seat of Christ, Daniel's Seventy Weeks, the Temple Discourse, the Tribulation, the Second Coming, the Millennial Reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. To order Understanding the End Times, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on partnership.
0: We were talking about in the first half of this broadcast about us being saved from sin. And first of all, we're saved from the power of sin. It has no more power over us. We can choose to sin, but sin can't just jump on you. That whole thing of the devil made me do it. No, he didn't do it. You're the one that did it. So it comes back to this, that there is no such thing as, the, as sin just jumping on. You know, you make the decision to sin. And then next of all, we talked about the fact there is no pleasure in sin. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin, but it's just for a season. If we choose to sin, oh, there might be a momentary pleasure, but as soon as it's over, then comes conviction and guilt. The Lord begins to deal with us. The Holy Spirit begins to deal with us. The word begins to deal with us. Our conscience begins to deal with us everywhere you turn. So the results of sin, is no longer the pleasure it used to be. Proverbs 5, 4 tells us its end is as bitter as wormwood, as sharp as a two-edged sword. And then also we found out that the sinner is said to love vanity and violence and evil. We went through all these scriptures from Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah and 1 John chapter 2, also we are not to love the world. So literally to love sin, as we pointed out at the closing of the first half of this broadcast was to love sin is far worse than to commit it. And so turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter seven. We're gonna take a look now that we've been saved from the penalty of sin. As you're finding that, let me again say to those who are uh, members of the team that I've got, those who support this broadcast, those who support me, my partners, I simply want to tell you you're great. Thank you so much. I've said this so often, you know, God made this all possible. He called me and all this. But you know what? Even the God that made it possible, it has to be done through people too. You know, when, when God gives you finances, the Bible says he gives through men to give to us. But you know what? When We give to God, we give through men. So men represent the kingdom of God in this earth. We have pastors, evangelists, prophets, those that are out there, missions work and doing all that, and us who are teachers of the word of God. And so, you know, there's certain yearnings inside of you. And I mean, I could mention orphans and some of you would just begin to cry immediately because that's what your heart is. And you give toward orphans, that's the way it should be. But you know, also each one of us need teaching of the word of God. So I'm asking you to join the partner group that's with me that continue to support me and give into this ministry so that the teaching of the word of God can go out because it's through the word of God that we can walk in righteousness. It's by the word of God that we can live holy before the world. And in a world that's unholy, we can be holy. In a world full of sin, we can walk in righteousness just as Jesus did because we have the word of God but we also have the Holy Spirit. And we're told that if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is what I do as a teacher. So I come to minister to you. I treat you like Bible school students. You know why? Because you always are. Life is a continual Bible school, learning more about the word of God. You never learn enough. You never get to the point where you say, I have reached the pinnacle. No, that won't even come in eternity, I believe. We'll be forever learning and learning. So go to my website if you'd like to become a partner with me bobyandian.com, and you'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And I'm looking forward to a whole new group joining me. I keep expanding, new to broadcasts and new things we're doing, but you know what? It's not possible without God's, first of all, confirming in me, this is the right direction to go, but also you saying, I believe in it. I believe in your heart and join me in this. And uh, we go, we do this together. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Luke chapter seven, verse 47 and 50, Jesus said, wherefore I say to you, to the woman who had been, it was in adultery, her sins, which are many are forgiven. Then he said to the woman in verse 50, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So she received the Lord and now she went in peace. And so she was saved from the penalty of sin. And what he said to her was all those sins have been forgiven. Next of all, 1 Thessalonians chapter one and verse 10 tells us, he has delivered us from the wrath to come. And so uh, in those verses, He's telling us that not only has He saved me from wrath, from going to hell, but also there's a wrath to come, and that will be uh, the tribulation on this earth. The church has been delivered out of that, so I will not go through the tribulation. The Lord's coming to take me up in the rapture, and then I will go through the seven years in heaven while there's a seven years going on on earth, and there's a tribulation going on. The first uh, three and a half years called the tribulation. The second half called the great tribulation because it's far worse. I will be in heaven going through the judgment seat of Christ. I won't be judged. My works will be judged. And there at the end of that, I will be adorned as a bride for her husband. So in heaven, through the judgment seat of Christ, we will be fashioned into the bride of the Lord Jesus. I am not the bride yet. I'm the body of Christ. But when the rapture occurs, those next seven years in heaven, he will be transforming us into the bride. And then will we return with him as he comes back at the end of those seven years to take the earth over and the 1,000-year millennial reign of Jesus will occur. But when we come back from heaven with him, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, we will come back as a bride adorned for her husband. I'm not the bride now. I will be the bride then. I have spots and wrinkles now. He'll get rid of those at the judgment seat of Christ. And it says in Ephesians chapter five, he will present us to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So 1 Thessalonians 1.10, he's delivered us from the wrath to come. So when I repent uh, as a Christian of any sin I commit while here, I'm released from it. I'm released from the penalty of it. The penalty of sin in the Christian life does not keep me out of heaven. It It hinders my rewards. And so in heaven, my rewards will be lessened for the sins I committed down here and didn't ask him to forgive me of. First Corinthians chapter 11, speaking of the communion elements tells us that if we confess our sins here, we'll not be held accountable for it there. So I believe that not only have I accepted righteousness, but I can walk in righteousness each and every day. I am saved from the penalty of sin. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This says the moment I got saved from my sin, I've also been saved from the condemnation of it. I will never stand before the great white throne judgment. That's for unbelievers. I will probably observe it, It's a thousand years after the rapture of the church and the coming of Jesus to rule and reign over this earth. At the end of a thousand years, then all unbelievers will be judged in heaven and they will be taken out of hell, brought up to heaven and judged and then sent to the lake of fire forever and forever. So when it says here, There's no condemnation. It means I will never be charged with a crime in this earth. No, I will be held accountable for the things I did outside of fellowship with God in sin, but I will also be judged and rewarded for the things I did in the spirit. So condemnation is gone. Next of all, righteousness and justification has been given to me. I have been found guiltless before God. Why? Because the law even holds nothing against me. Here's the beauty of it. The moment I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, my sentence of condemnation was relinquished and God's sentence on Jesus to rule and reign with him forever was given to me. All that was, was I accepted Jesus as my Savior, but also as the Lord of my life. And the moment I did that, now, I stand righteous before God. Acts 13, verse 39 says, We have been justified from all things. Praise God. I've been justified from all things. All things are all things of Satan, all things of this world, all things of those who reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I've been justified from all of these things. And that's the Lord's gift to me. It comes by simple faith in Jesus Christ. For those of you watching who have never accepted Jesus, and you might be just listening to this, and your brain is going in circles, going, What in the world's going on? All the things I'm talking about, which sound absolutely too good to be true, are all available as a free gift from God Himself. If you'll accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, I mean the gift, first of all, of righteousness comes to you. Your sins are forgiven. Your nature is changed. God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. His redemptive work has been done. You become a child of God. Heaven becomes your destination. And it all comes free by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, God doesn't haul you up into heaven immediately. He leaves you here for you to take and begin to live like the Lord, to become a disciple. I've said it before, I'll say it again. A convert is going to heaven, but a disciple is taking people with him to go to heaven too. So Acts 13, 39 says again, we've been justified from all things. Condemnation is repented of, and justification is accepted. When I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I repented before him, my condemnation was taken away, but then I accepted the gift of justification. I have been justified before God. Jesus took the condemnation of sin, then he was justified. In other words, he took my condemnation on himself, and then he became justified. By accepting Jesus, we stand before God free from the penalty of sin. My Sin was transferred to Jesus, His justification was transferred to me. 2 Corinthians 5 21. On the cross, when Jesus was there, He took my sin, but when He arose from the dead, I can now accept His righteousness as a free gift. Not only does the law have nothing against me, but I am entitled to its rewards. What rewards? All the rewards of keeping the law was everything that I have right now eternal life. I have a relationship with God. All the things the law promised if I could perfectly keep it, but no one could perfectly keep it. That's why Jesus had to come. If any one person could have been saved by keeping the law, Jesus would never have to come. But the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. But what the law promised, Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law. He didn't destroy it. He fulfilled it. We think today by some of the teaching, we hear that the law has been totally destroyed. It's no longer even around. That is not true. It's still around. But as Jesus coming into this earth, knew God was born in the condition of righteousness, kept that righteousness, never relinquished it, never yielded to sin, went to the cross and died for us. He fulfilled the law, then gave me the power once I receive him as Lord and Savior that I too can fulfill the law. By walking in the word of God, I will not sin against him. And by walking in the spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I have the power again to fulfill the law. We're saved from the power of sin. This is both a present process and still incomplete. I am getting better every day. God's righteousness in me keeps being more complete every day. And, you know, you might say, well, I still commit a sin. Well, stop and think about this. Have you made any progress in the past five years, 10 years? Well, sure I have. There you see it working right there. In other words, instead of looking at how far you have to go, thank God for how far you have come. This is often the most difficult part of salvation to understand how I can be righteous on the inside, but yet still commit sin. You still have the nature of the flesh. It controls you for the moment. You can turn around and control it by confessing your sin. Your faithful God will completely forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and you're back in fellowship with him under the control of the Holy Spirit. So growth in the word of God causes us to overcome the power of sin. First Timothy 4, 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, that's the word of God, continue in them for in doing this, you shall both save yourself and those who hear you. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, the wonder of the word of God. It not only draws us close to God and teaches us about him, but also gives us a life of righteousness to live before the world as Jesus Christ would to literally be Christians, little Jesuses in this earth. I trust you've been blessed. I'll see you next time.